Buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Brad yeah. Lee Hannon. Welcome to yes. the Insurance yeah. Dudes. If you're not watching on YouTube, then you don't see the shirt that says insurance sucks. We have said that so many times. Haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> we definitely say leads suck. We will get into that. A couple mm. things. One, Bradley has tattoos. Another oh. tattoo, brother. That's awesome, man. You don't see a lot of that in the insurance. Well, I guess you do more now, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially I when you sell over the phone, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. But let's dive into some speed breakers. Let's do, do it. Think, Are you Brad? ready, Bradley? I'm as ready as you can be, I think. Okay. Let's put the 11 <laughs> seconds up on the clock. That's what Perfect. she said. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever had a mullet? Never. First crush. You want a name? It's I'm married. Crazy. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Most embarrassing <laughs> nice. thing your mom ever caught you doing. Most embarrassing moment. Thing that your mom ever caught you doing. Watching dirty television. Okay. Fastest <laughs> speed ever driven. 160. Wow. That Ooh. might be driven, the record. Driven or ridden. Driven or ridden. If you were in a car going 160, that's pretty impressive. I was on a motorcycle going 160, so that counts. Oh, dang. That's even sad. That more than counts. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Like the thing way up there is past you before you can see the thing way up there, huh? The moment you have the thought like, oh, wow, I could go down and this would suck really bad. You really let off quickly. So, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's like, yeah, I've I think I've gotten near 100 on a motorcycle. That was like, okay, no, I'm not doing this. Uh, Favorite cereal. Lucky Charms. How many kids? Nice. One and one have, on the way. Have you made cry? Please wait till the end of the question. Ooh. <laughs> I knew that was coming too, and I still took the bait. Probably no less than 10. Good. Uh, <laughs> Count Chocula or Count Dracula? Count Chocula. Fastest mile? I don't run. Eight minutes, seven <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Whatever. 20 flavor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cardio. Nah, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Favorite flavor? Vanilla. Dogs or cats? Dogs. That's right. <laughs> Tacos or burritos? Tacos. It's amazing. It's always dogs and usually tacos. Favorite video game? Halo. Halo. Oh, nice. Interesting. That might be the first Halo. Trump or Biden? No, second Halo. Trump. And I'll oh, wow. say that. <laughs> Two times today, they've said it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, like, I'm not going to know. No. Yeah. Hey, you love me or you hate me, right? It's, it's all exactly. good. Exactly. I mean, it's going to happen anyway, right? They're either going to love you or hate yeah. you. So might as well give them something to work off of. But I didn't say whether I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. I really spoke about what's kind of what I feel like is best for my business. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. One. I love that. Ah, I feel the I same thought, way. I thought I'll you were going to say there. 100%. 100 percent 100 all right i'll toss it over to you mr jason bradley what was the first concert you ever went to and i want to go all the way back if it be barney then barney it be Mm. dude that's a tough one i would probably say like eric church or something like a country singer i mean the last one i can remember anyways i was probably 17 18 love it so take us back from eric church And where that young boy grew to this tattooed dude that works in the insurance business. Take us through that journey. 
Oh, man. Well, it started at birth. Oh, wait. We want to start at the, after the country concert. Okay. Yes. Dude, so you can go back many, to birth. I got there were many, Do you remember? Being born. It was really dark. That's all I can recall. <laughs> <laughs> but the main thing was between Eric Church and now, there was a whole lot of partying, a whole lot of being young and dumb, and a whole lot of living life in my form of mediocrity to mm-hmm. where now, kind of fast forward insurance is we were talking about it before the show is kind of opened up when I've been doing it for about six years, but from year one to now, I just continually realized, man, there's literally no limit to what I can do in this business. I mean, it doesn't matter whether I'm selling health insurance, life insurance, Medicare or PNC, you know, there is really limitless opportunity. So that's where we're at today. So it's really fascinating. And we're super grateful to have you on because we don't talk to enough people from your neck of the woods in the insurance world. So you've been working in healthcare, worked for a captive carrier in healthcare. We won't mention their name if you won't mention ours. And (laughs) it's just, that's a whole nother world to us. And we'd love to learn about that. We've had a few people on that interact with that, but how did you gravitate towards that? What fired you up about about healthcare. Absolutely nothing fired okay. me up about it. Right, exactly. Um, what's funny is it's actually not healthcare, it's health insurance. So or, that, and I'm that's sorry, a yeah. common it's a right. common mistake. See? And I'll, I'll give you some grace, your property and casualty. And <laughs> or as my video guy called it the other day, we're at an insurance kind of base conference and someone was talking about P and C and he goes, Well you probably need to talk to corporate about that because like whatever. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, P and C bank? And they're like, no, P and C. So, hey, I'll give you a little uh, right. leeway there. But healthcare is kind of like what you get at the doctor's office. Sure. Health insurance is what hopefully will pay for some of that stuff. And I Nothing- knew that. I was saying that on behalf of Mr. Jason. <laughs> Yeah, of course. course. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Absolutely nothing excited me about it. In fact, Mm. I remember my now wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. She was the recruiter for this agency. And she was like, you should sell insurance. You should sell insurance. And I'm like, no chance. I was finding assisted living facilities for old people. Right. Mm. So that was pretty boring. And I was kind of getting out of that. And she's trying to talk me into getting into insurance. I'm like, I'm not going from one boring thing to an even more boring thing. I'm good, right? And an event changed it all for me. I went to a, like a company Christmas party with her as her date, met a bunch of young guys that were selling insurance and making it look kind of cool, right? And making a lot of money doing it. So like some people, I had the thought, if they can do it, I can do it, right? And so- What specifically looked cool? Yeah, about I'm it. still puzzled. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I didn't get to see them in the act of selling insurance. So nothing looks cool about that part of it. What was cool was that they all drove nice cars. They were ex-baseball players and athletes, like just people that I resonated with. And I felt like, man, if they can do it and enjoy it, right, then I can too. So that was in full disclosure. It was like a drunken company Christmas party. So mm-hmm. it was a blast. So um, they were talking oh, yeah. language. I don't think that there are insurance events where that's not the main goal <laughs> is to get just absolutely hammered. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the ones that I go to, at least while my wife's listening to this podcast, the ones that I go to that no insurance agents ever have partaken any alcohol. For of course sure. Not. Right. Of course <laughs> not. Because I go to a lot of events, man. I do. I'm kind of an event junkie at this point. I love going to events. 
It's fun times. That's awesome. Uh, it's great to connect right. with all the agents, learn from them. And then, of course, the ancillary activities are always a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're talking about ancillary like policies and things, right? Sure. Yes. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Heard you know, that. when you go back to your room and all you do is look over the policy jackets and, and really dig in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you guys are too funny. So, OK, everything was looking cool. They're all driving Ferraris and Maseratis. And you thought, well, shit, I need to get in on this thing. What happened? Yeah. So I left that event, right? I left that party and probably not in my drunken stupor. I didn't really think about it. But the next day I'm like, all right, I'm open to it. Set up a meeting. Let him have him reach out to me, which is her like agency manager. And uh, at the time and since we've parted ways, I actually had lunch with a guy today. So I'm still friends oh, wow. with him. Everything's still good. But I sat down at a lunch with him and we didn't talk insurance or anything like that. But he said, hey, I'm building something we're growing fast. I need leaders essentially was his, like what he said that triggered me. And I've always been drawn to leadership. I've always gone after leadership type roles and things. So immediately I knew, okay, if I'm on the fast track to leadership in this type of an opportunity, then I'm going to come in and give it all I got. And that's exactly what I did. I came in in six months, I made $80,000 that following year that my second year, I made $280,000 because that following year I started to build a team. And then I, like so many insurance agents do, went back to pretty much zero and uh, restarted and was able to get there faster the second time around. So that's all I'll say about that. But it was that exact conversation about getting into leadership and building a team. I love a team environment, athletic background, all of that stuff. I love building teams. And so that's what I guess really drew me in was the ability to build and grow a team. We use those sports analogies so often so you know, well. as leaders in the agency to get everybody fired up. There are so many similarities between a high-performing sports team and a high-performing business team, and especially in this space. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've also applied that to recruiting and anybody that's ever been an athlete before, I always am like, oh, this person's going to kill it. But then they don't have a work ethic. They might be super competitive, but that's in like another arena and they don't relate. So sometimes there's a disconnect, I feel like, with that competitiveness in the workplace. And I think that that comes from like a work-life balance. They're like they separate the two, whereas my work is my life and my life is my work. Like they all yeah. kind of coexist. Yeah. You can train on product, you can train on all the stuff and how to sell and all these things, but you cannot train on how to do the activity. You need that hustler. No, no you can't, especially when you're selling over the phone and activity is literally all you've got. Mm -hmm. I've definitely worked in agencies that don't have that team element. And then the ones that do, man, talk about a different energy and day in general. Like... Anybody that doesn't have an agency like that, but has a quasi team, it could be a bummer to come into work. But man, if you got that team element where you guys are all rowing for the same goal, man, it can be a bunch of energy, a bunch of fun every single day. Yeah. I think totally we're talking polarizing. about culture. culture, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely everything. Yeah. Well, it's so important because when there isn't culture, then there's turnover. You're in this reactive hiring mode where you're constantly looking for somebody and then you cut corners. Oh, they have a license. Great. Get them in here. And then they're terrible. And it's just endless cycle, right? The hamster wheel of terrible culture yeah. at the agency. And I've had that. I mean, I was there for many years and um, then now having a really good culture at the agency. I mean, we hardly have any turnover. 
And yeah. we kind of flipped the script where it's like, hey, I'll pay better. I'll spend more. I'll buy more leads. Just do the whole thing where you're feeding them to be successful and nobody leaves. Sometimes Same. it's hard to wrap your mind around spending more and then you just get massive results out of it versus before you're trying to, oh, I have to save the scarcity mentality just kills it. Yeah. And I know that to a fault because I've got my second kid on the way. And so we're starting to pre-fund college tuition and all of that stuff. And and it's like, I realize how much I actually invest into the business. It's a very large percentage of what I make. And that could be getting out to events that could be in new technology. It could be in staff, whatever. But I think it's the best investment you can possibly make, right? I mean, yeah. in yourself and in your business. So I agree wholeheartedly with that. Yeah, we talk about that all the time about a lot of agents, though, they won't spend on marketing, they won't spend on these things. And then they take that money out and put it in a stock or whatever. And you're going well, first pay taxes on it. Yeah, right. You're gonna, so you're gonna yeah. pay taxes, then you're gonna invest in somebody else's business. I don't get yeah. it. You know, like every right. extra dollar we put back into the machine. And it just, you know, that $1 turns into $3. Then you take those three, those $3 turn into $9 and just boom. I was talking to a good friend of mine at lunch about this too. The overrides, right? When you do get into a leadership role and you start to make overrides, most people, they just, that's all their money. Like the override is theirs, their commission on their sales, that's theirs too. Whereas I built my business. The reason why I was able to scale quickly is because the commissions that I made on my sales that was my money, at least a portion of it after I paid taxes and all that. But my overrides, that was my agency's money. And that money went immediately back into whatever it was I was trying to do. And I don't have a giant office, got a little office, but we've got 12 or 15 agents coming in daily. We've got a great culture. We're looking at larger office space locally. I've got about 50 agents on the team nationwide. But those agents, a lot of those remote agents, they started when I was bootstrapping it when I didn't have the money to invest in an office space and things. And so I kind of did it out of the fact that I had no other option. Like I didn't have a space for people to work out of. So you're working remote uh, to where I grew it enough to where as soon as I had the money to invest in office space, I knew that selfishly I needed to build that community around me. I needed to build that culture around me because that's what helps drive me. Right. And so if it works for them, it works for me. And so I, kind of built the office out of a selfish desire to be around other people mm. going after big time things. Yeah. It can get tough being on that island and being remote, not being around other people. And I think all of us, the whole world experienced it in the last year. Yeah. But this is really interesting. I'd like to touch on this a little bit because I think it's something that can translate to whether you're in PNC or health insurance or what, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. know why it's like care wants to come after. <laughs> but how were you able to create that remote team. And what did that look like? I'm just curious about managing remote employees because it's always been a struggle, at least yeah. for me and other folks that I've talked to. <laughs> it was a struggle. It wasn't like ideal, but I use technology, obviously Zoom and Slack is a great resource. Mm -hmm. And then I, I would make sure that we had daily meetings for people to check in, not necessarily for them to check in, but I would provide value, some sort of training or whatever on those meetings. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, they're all my agents, they're 1099. They don't have to show up to meetings. They don't even have to show up to the office if they didn't want to. They just won't have a space in the office anymore if they don't do that. But so you have to 
constantly provide value. At times I hate it because I'm like, oh my gosh, am I working for these guys? Are they working for me or what? How is it? And it's like, neither really. I think we're all kind of working for each other and they drive me to have to continuously get better and learn new things and marketing and personal brand and branding and all of this stuff that I always joke about back when I just started selling insurance early in sales. I thought the marketing was for people that couldn't sell. Like, mm. If you're doing marketing, that's because you can't sell, but you need us to close the deal and marketing just opens the door. Really, it's kind of they work in unison, obviously, as most smart people know, but I didn't believe this. I just believe that sales was everything. And so just learning new things constantly and providing that value is the best way that I grew that virtual team. And it was probably only 15 or 20 agents by the time I had the capital to not even just the capital, but the belief in what we were doing that I could open an office and do that kind of stuff. So now we've got a few different offices, continuing to grow remote, continuing to grow locally, just kind of a little bit of everything, man. Dude, I love it. You said something super key in there that I think that resonated with me, but also I think will with people that don't understand this. And it's the old school mentality is, hey, I'm paying paycheck. You know what I mean? You're working for me kind of thing. But It really is like the best leaders understand that there's a symbiotic relationship where you guys are all working for each other because the leader is supposed to be the one that everybody can rely on. Like you are the pillars of the building and they need that structure in order to keep them going. But I really think that from everything I've seen, when you have that leader that isn't working for the team and they're just more of like the boss, it doesn't work out well and the employees get over it. But like, dude, employees don't leave people that are working for them. Like that's a, that's a rarity. It shouldn't be, but you need to serve your team just as much as you serve the clients. And they're serving you, man. Yeah. I mean, it's everything. Yeah. As you scale, you're no longer really necessarily serving the clients. So by extension, there's your team is serving the clients, but if you can't serve them, what are they going to do? You know, if you're in yeah, there complaining that's, about the, that's oh, what I was going to say too. That's what I was going to say too, because I always get myself in trouble when I'm on podcasts or any of these things. <laughs> I always, I come off like, and we all do it, but like come off, like we're just so service oriented. I just take such good care of my team. And while that is true, like, <laughs> there's a certain point where I really invest in my leaders, right? And then my leaders invest in my team. And to scale, you have to have these things. And I think so many people misunderstand that and look at it from the outside and think, well, he's a jerk or, well, he doesn't ever have any time for me or whatever that is. But like you're saying about the clients, the people that you're investing into are taking care of those clients. And so that's naturally how you scale. Otherwise, (laughs) I got 50 agents and I'm all things to all people there. And that's right. too much. Yeah. So right. that's been a real challenge for me because I do, I want to get in there with every single person, but it's not you possible. You can't do it. That blows. I, yeah. I tell everybody it's like a baby. Like the business is a baby. That baby has to grow. It needs blood in its veins. It needs fuel and everything else. In order to do that, you got to make decisions like maybe that one person on the team isn't serving the team in order for you to let that person go serves the team serves everybody more 
than keeping the person on the team. You got to keep the team healthy because the team is a baby, man. It's a, this yeah. growing entity that needs to survive. And yeah. so that's for us as leaders, we need to make those decisions so that that baby can grow. Yeah. And we, I had one of the, and take we had the freaking a, emotion out of it. Yeah. We, got to. Because it, it serves everybody more. The, yeah. the process is all the things that you put into place that you can point to instead of it being about personal thing about that person and then becoming emotional. It's about the process. And we've put some specific metrics that for activity and everybody was kind of like, ah, because we're doing great without necessarily saying you need to do this and this and this. But it was starting to drift a little bit and said, okay, we're going to do this. One person doesn't want to do it. And we said, it is going to be this way. And that's fine. You don't have to do it, but you're not going to do it here. So you're more than welcome to go somewhere else where they're not going to have this kind of accountability. But this is where we've gone to. Like we've now grown to the point where we have to have these metrics in place. It's not to be mean. It's not because we're just making you do stuff. It's because these are the things that are going to get us to the next level. And yeah. Just part of life, right? We we outgrow people just like the business will outgrow people. So, hey, sad, but it's true. Right. That's right. And most of the time, and we just got in, Craig and I just got in a conversation about this, is like most of the time somebody fires themselves, right? Because maybe they're in a role, the business grows or something like that. And then that role needs to kind of evolve. And if they're not going to evolve with the role and you're trying to coach them and everything else and they're not rolling with the punches, then... They've kind of made the decision themselves. Most of the time to get to a point, especially when you have a leader that cares, that's pouring into it. Most of the time, there's a good direction on how to keep this thing rocking. Mm. And they've decided not to do it. So it's like, it's more their decision. And sounds whatever. Like, sounds like it's happened a time or two, right? <laughs> right, right. And I tell everybody. I think we're too, all speaking it, from experience. A hundred percent. And when somebody fights it that hard it's like dude you got to find what you like to do because when you like to do what you do you're going to pour more into it right now it doesn't seem like you like what you're doing like i'll help you find that job yeah but dude you got to move on man you're not serving either one of us yeah i hear you well hey i know it's your show but i gotta leverage the opportunity here to try to debunk a myth okay that i think is the reason why you haven't had many healthcare or health insurance <laughs> agents on here. And it's just yeah. funny because I was in that bubble where that's all I knew. So it's what I understood. But then I got into like, I got connected with agents that were in PNC and doing life and Medicare. And I would tell people that I do health insurance and they'd be like, wow, really? You know, I heard there wasn't any money in that. I mean, how do you pay your bills? So I'm here to debunk that myth because there's absolutely money in it. It's one of the biggest I guess, myths when it comes to health insurance. I work with a lot of PNC agencies that are adding it to their business. I mean, it's very, very, I'm not the smartest guy. And I think that health insurance is, as far as all lines of insurance, the easiest thing to sell because, heck, our government at one point in time mandated you to have it, right? It's like your car insurance. I mean, you got to have it. So sometimes you don't even have to sell it. You're just taking an order. But I'm here to tell you there's plenty of money in health insurance. I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> Dude, we'll talk more about it. For somebody like maybe like Craig that doesn't know much about it. Um, <laughs> let's the let's start from the ABCs. How if you are doing PNC or something that's generally more known, how would you get into it? To be continued.
Hey, Jason. Yes, Mr. Craig. That was another awesome episode, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, if people want to get a little bit more action and, and learn how to do uh, write 100000 in premium off yes. of even the worst internet leads, where could they go? They can go to live.teledudes.com. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Are we going to be there? Yes. It's a weekly call that we're doing right now that will – it's live, and it will show you the process, the entire process. Mm, Super awesome. Mm, I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Sign up right now, live.teledudes.com. Live.teledudes.com. That's live.teledudes.com. Hey, Craig, there's a new community that we are starting that I cannot wait to tell everybody about. It is our live texting community where you and I are going to answer people's questions and give them free content, right? Are you kidding me? We get to talk to them? Yeah, which is awesome, but they have to opt in. They have to text us at 520-214-2219. That's 520-214-2219. Nice. I'm Greg, are you going to respond to these texts? I'm going to respond to them for sure. Live. I'm into it too. It's going to be well, awesome. And it's a, it's going to be our new texting community where we're going to get back to everybody that we can and drop some crazy content, free content, and free um, the calculator that you just came up with. Mm. That's right. The calling calculator, sales material. I mean, everything for insurance agents, this is it. It's the best texting community out there for insurance agents. Well, what the heck is that number again? I can't remember it. It's 520-214-2219. That's 520-214-2219. I love it. I'm going to text it right now. 520-214-2219. All right. I'll see you later, Mr. Jason. Bye, Mr. Craig. Wait, do they even listen to this on the radio anymore? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Nice. Uh, All right.